seeing you at this uh, oh, yeah. nice little tavern. I feel like we meet here often. We do. What did we grab to drink this time? Well, um, this time it looks like we have Old Wayfarer Oak Amber Mead from the Gronfell Meadery. Uh, lovely meadery uh, delivered directly to my doorstep, uh, courtesy of you, so I don't have yeah. a uh, fun story. Oh, to go oh. along with uh, having to find this, but uh, do you have one? Oh, uh, let's crack it open and then I'll tell All you right. the story. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. That's real good. I'm disappointed I only have one of these. Yeah, I think uh, after we get through the six we all got, I could buy just a case of this specific one. Ooh. All right, so the story on this one. Um, I got a targeted ad on Instagram. Um, I am 100% convinced Instagram is listening to me now. So there's a conspiracy theory for you, um, for Mead. And to try not to give Instagram information, I looked at the name of the meadery, and off of Instagram went to Google and opened the meadery and saw that they had a case of Mead. You could get uh, four... Of each of their meads, they had six total for $70. So I reached out to a group of friends, including you, and said, Hey, would you want to go in on this? They'll ship it right to our door. Uh, so we ordered it. It came from Vermont. came in two days. It was absolutely amazing. I took it the night after and broke the packs up, put one of each in. So there was four six-packs, one for me, one for Tony, one for Casey, one for you. Went out for delivery because I had the day off. Started at like 8.30 in the morning. Uh, first delivery out in Webster. The next one was in Penfield. And then you were out in Victor. So I'm using Google Maps to try to figure out the best way to get there. And I knew I needed gas. So I wanted to go to a way that passed BJ's on the way to your place. I get to BJ's and I'm like, man, I kind of need to pee. But I don't want to go in BJ's right now. I can make it to Aaron's and back. And then I just started driving down the road and I was like, Jesus, I forgot how much further Aaron is away from everything. <laughs> and I'm listening to Hamilton driving and driving and driving and you're my last delivery and I make it. And then I look at my maps and it's like 22 minutes to home. Oh my God, Aaron lives so far away from the world right now. So, is, yep. Yeah. But because of that, we all have six meads. One of which, uh, one of the friends has, I think, drink almost all of them already. I waited to crack any of them till this episode because I think we could get six episodes out of six meads. So. Absolutely. So. Makes, makes the story a little uh, less interesting each time, but uh, makes the drinking so much better. Oh, and it's so good. It's an 
oaked amber mead. So it's aged in an amber or an oak barrel, and it's an amber mead. It's very delicious. It's got uh, Odin on the front of it here. He's the old wayfarer. Oh. Uh, because all of the Gronfell meadery stuff is all Nordic based. And then they have another meadery, Havoc. We got three from Gronfell and three from Havoc. And this is the first one I'm trying. Well, uh, I got to say, so far, uh, Gronfell, you guys are fantastic. If at any point in the future you feel like uh, sponsoring this podcast, uh, nope. we, we gladly accept in uh, Mead. Yeah. And uh, all four of our listeners um, would uh, greatly, greatly appreciate your advertising. Yes. Um, so if you're if you're one of our four listeners, uh, go buy their mead and tell them that you heard it here first on the Bull and Moose Tavern. And uh, maybe in like three years, uh, they'll send us a four pack. So yeah, maybe uh, I, all I got to say goals. is. You know, once travel starts back up, I have definitely made the choice that I want to head out to uh, Vermont and New Hampshire for vacations. Because they're drivable vacations. (laughs) Well, there's nothing else to do there. Well, I mean, I went to Killington in Vermont, and that was a fun weekend, so I think it'd be fun. I like going up to Lake Placid once a year. Not sure I'm going to do it this year, but that's another. Yeah, yeah. all right, so I guess we got to dive into the topics. We do, but I need to ask you something first. Okay. Did you see the big political news from today? From today, uh, God, I don't. Oh, uh, uh, local, national, or international? Look, uh, national presidential news. No. Kanye West. Oh, has wait. announced yes. he is running for president in 2020. I'm all for it. Aside from the fact that there's the whole logistical issue, filing dates have passed. Oh, yeah, he's not uh, really running. But... I think he should. I think he should find a way. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if you spend enough money, you could get around the filing date issue. Um, also, if he chooses the independent party, there's such a mess, mess and a sort of shill of a... Shell be, of an organization. Could be Green be, Party easily. Uh, oh, it's no libertarian. They they would kick the guy off the libertarian ticket to have Kanye West on it. I feel like. Yeah, but they'd have to drop Joe down to VP instead of front runner. I don't so, think they're going to do that. Um, yeah. Um, so that's the big political news. And on your note of paying enough money, uh, again, I cannot recommend Colin Woodward's American Nations enough. He does a whole thing about how we were actually an aristocracy and the only reason we got a semi-democracy is it kind of became popular with the people and the ruling class knew they couldn't get away with setting up a uh, king for us even though Hamilton argued at the Constitutional Convention for a president for life, a.k.a. King. Um, on that note, Hamilton's on Disney+. Plus. Watch it, realizing it's historically inaccurate. <laughs> Very much so. It is not right in a lot of places. I think the only thing they may have gotten right um, is Burr was vice president, Washington was president, Jefferson was president, and Hamilton was shot by Burr. But outside of that, pretty much everything's wrong in the play. Their timeline is very messed up. 
Uh, if you want accurate corrections, of, I like how we're just using our podcast to plug other things that aren't paying us or giving yeah, us any exactly. sort of concession. But this, see, this is how it works. We're giving you free advertising in the hope that uh, in the future you'll give us real advertising. But yeah. I digress. Um, but if you want the political corrections or the historical corrections, rather, for um, Hamilton, I highly encourage everyone to watch uh, Lin-Manuel's appearance on drunken history yes yes he does correct it lynn knows fantastic he knows that it's not historically correct it's based on historical events but not historically correct mainly he could have done a whole play on the shit show that was the articles of confederation and he completely skips over those even existing in the play we go right from freedom to the constitutional convention so Lynn, yeah. feel free, if you're one of the, our four listeners, feel free to use our podcast where we discuss the Articles of Confederation as your building block or blueprint for uh, Hamilton 2.0, the Articles. Uh, That's you, it. I, I want to see a whole play about Burr, maybe. Uh, I mean, if you could get um, the guy who played Jefferson back, I would watch a whole play about Jefferson. Like, yeah. He he was the shining star of that entire play. Mm-hmm. So no no doubt. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't have uh, Ben Franklin in there uh, somehow. So he wrote a Franklin song, but he did not put Franklin into the play. But when he did those Hamill drops, which were like remixes of some of the songs, Weird Al did a Hamilton polka. One of the songs, uh, the Decemberist did the Benjamin Franklin song that they. Uh, um, wrote for it, which is uh, Motherfucking Benjamin Franklin, I think is the name of the song or something. Nice. And it's a really good song. Um, while we're plugging Hamilton stuff, I also recommend checking out um, the Watsky version of when Hamilton writes the letter condemning John Adams when he becomes president because it's really funny. Uh, it's like two minutes long, if that. Um, but that's also a fun one. Nice. All right. So so what's our topic today, Jake? We went way too long last time covering too many topics, so we need to finish the Constitution today with the amendments to the Constitution. So we are going to cover the amendments, and then if there's time at the end, uh, maybe propose some new amendments that we would like to see added in i know i've got a couple written down so Ooh, awesome i will say uh before we dive right in um i did a ton of research and wrote copious notes to facilitate and help our discussion today and then my ipad died oh so fun. i have so i have nothing so well, while you can be notes. very measured and uh accurate in what you're speaking i'm gonna go off the cuff and uh, we're going to see how this goes. Perfect. But I will say you took notes, so you must have retained some of it, because it's been shown that note-taking helps you retain information. So let's start yeah. right You obviously the didn't know me in high school. Yeah, uh, I didn't take notes in high school. I skated by and got A's, and then in college I uh, skated by and was a pretty good B student because I didn't try at all, really. Um, article 1, probably one of the more... The first two articles are probably the most famous. These are part of the Bill of Rights, so let's cover a little bit about that. Um, When the Constitution was drafted, there were certain states that did not want to sign it. Uh, 
the anti-federalists, the federalists were pro-constitution as it was written. The anti-federalists proposed a bill of rights that had 10 rights, the first 10 amendments to the constitution to kind of guarantee more rights to the people. So the first 10 we go through are part of those bill of rights written by uh, James Madison. And I think it's fair to say that most, um, most, People that deal in constitutional law and uh, just most people in general sort of just believe that the first ten amendments are just a part of the Constitution. Yes, because they were ratified pretty much at the same time, um, but they are not part of the Constitution itself. Uh, Article 1, simply uh, no laws respecting an establishment religion, prohibiting the exercise thereof allows freedom of speech and press, allows peaceful assembly, and to petition the government for your redress of grievances. Um, The things I want to point out in here is around the establishment of religion. The way it is written has allowed um, cults to flourish in the United States like Scientology um, because they're religions, quote-unquote. Um, also don't attack the, the Scientologists. I don't want them coming after us. Oh, we only have it. we only have four followers. Let's do it early on, so they're just following us around. Um, <laughs> it also um, the free speech and press establishes the fourth estate, and I want to draw a very important thing here. This is government free speech. The federal Correct. and national, the national and local governments can't prohibit your free speech private companies do not have to follow the first amendment if facebook or twitter or any of those want to kick you off for something you've said you are not guaranteed free speech within a private organization correct um to to jump on the twitter facebook um to we're gonna we're gonna diverge real quick um, that's what we do best. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Yeah. Bull in this tavern. Bull here. Um, to jump on that, yes, Facebook and Twitter and any social media, they're private platforms. They can do whatever the fuck they want. However, what I feel Twitter and Facebook, and this has nothing to do with the First Amendment or the Constitution, but we're going to go this route. However, what Facebook and Twitter seem to have forgotten is, and they're trying to hide behind the First Amendment as well, you are not free from lawsuit once you start deciding who can and cannot be on your platform. 100% agree. And It does not protect those companies from lawsuit either. Right. And I don't know. We're just we're just in this in this weird place right now. Yeah. But no, 100%. Like I think that's the biggest thing that people get wrong, that most Americans get wrong, and it's because most Americans get a shit education on what it is to be an American um, and our history. But most, I think if you polled 100 people just on the street, I think most of them would think that uh, First Amendment freedom of speech um, basically uh, gives them the right to say whatever they want free of consequence. And I think that's the biggest thing about the First Amendment that people don't realize is freedom of speech is not freedom of retaliation or freedom of consequences. Well, you know, 
let's be clear here. A lot of these had to do with how Britain was te- uh, treating Americans. Right. They were enforcing certain church doctrines, like you had to follow the Anglican Church when there were a lot of Protestants and things in America. Um, they were not allowing free speech, especially around uh, attacking pol- governors and the king. And even today, Great Britain... Um, does not allow you to make fun of the royal family on television or radio. You can get censored for that. Um, They banned our peaceful assembly. That's why the Boston Tea Party happened. And peaceful assembly is what a lot of the Black Life Matters protests are protected by in this day and age. They are peacefully assembling. When it turns to violence, you aren't amendment-wise guaranteed your freedom to assemble anymore. But peacefully you are and there has been a lot less rioting lately the protests have been very peaceful yeah um yeah and shout out to uh chris cuomo just because you've never actually read it that's where the peaceful part comes from but yeah. continue yeah and then uh petition the government for redress of grievances that is directly to the declaration of independence we tried to petition uh great britain for our grievances I mean, one of the things we even tried to do was instead of separating from Britain, get a second parliament made where the U.S. would have a parliament, Great Britain would have a parliament, all would report up to the king, but each would be able to make laws for their own set of land and address grievances of the people. We could have been Canada. We could have been Canada. We could have been Canada. Also, Canada, some of Canada tried to be part of us. Um it, it it was very for a different conspiracy podcast i think it is very interesting how quickly the u.s and great britain made up and became partners in a lot of things outside well, of, the as, war of 1812 as as adam said you know we're common people from sharing a, a common birth and lineage that's i mean that's why we all came back together right Oh, yeah. I mean, at that point, America was already incredibly diverse and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, we're brothers. You know, come on, bro. Just uh, hug it out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You tried tried to enslave us and uh, we killed, you know, we fucked your shit up. But, uh, you know, we're cool now, right? Very cool. Um, Let's hop right into the the hot amendment. Amendment to... uh, the right to bear arms. Uh, oh. A well-regulated militia right to bear arms. Um, so here's my points on it. The well-regulated militia referenced, I think, directly reflects in the Constitution in Article 1, Section 7, uh, where it says, And the authority and training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. Um, that that is what it meant by well-regulated, that there was congressional oversight, which means our rights to bear arms shall not be infringed, but they can be well-regulated, which means we there can be regulation on guns, which is a big fight today. Um, I think background checks are would fall within that regulation, um, even potentially banning rights to certain arms, but I know we've discussed this before and I will bring it up, um, the right to bear arms is to protect us from the government itself. So anything your local police force has access to, the people should be able to have access to as well. 
I 100% agree with uh, that one. And uh, while I do not own any guns, especially with current events, I think every day that maybe it is time to go out but and get one. But Yeah, I just completely blanked there. But uh, enjoy that dead air. Uh, hopefully the background <laughs> noise picks up. Um, it's because I just lost my train of thought. But I'll jump on a track and, and figure it out very shortly. In terms of the Second Amendment, I do think it is one of the most important ones for the Constitution because if you take away the Second Amendment, the people, in my opinion, literally lose all power to keep the government in check. Um, I the whole I reason we were able to win the Revolutionary War and beat out Britain was because almost every citizen was armed. Yes. And they rolled up with their armies and ordinary citizens just picked up their hunting rifles and were like, no, this isn't going to happen. We were one of the only, um, you know, colonies, free states, countries that was able to do that back then because we were settled by um, people that needed to fend for themselves. So it was a necessity back then. Most other colonies and um, countries, you know, for millennia, they lie on the ruling class to protect them. America was so separated from the crown, they needed to protect themselves from um, other invading nations from each other i mean if you go back to you know the history of the united states i mean in the early days states attacked states uh one of my favorite um stories is the reason why there's the rivalry college football between michigan and ohio state is uh goes back to back when they fought each other on the battlefield yeah and uh, now they just do it you know on the football field a lot less bloody yeah um but yeah, I Americans. Really, I really like um, the point that you brought up that uh, anything the police have access to, ordinary citizens should have access to. Yeah, um, it's one of those. Do I think you should be able to own a military grade rocket launcher? No, no. I I really I really don't think so. Um, however, if your city police are allowed to own a rocket launcher. Yes, you should be allowed to own a rocket launcher because otherwise it's a disproportionate use of force. And we already talked about how the um, notion of standing police forces could be considered a standing army. And uh, the framers of the Constitution did warn against things like that. Um, we've talked about uh, the defund the police movement and all that. We don't need to fully get into that, but um, for this context, um, you know, the Second Amendment is literally. I mean, we've talked. You know, when we talked about the Constitution, uh, we talked about the importance of the order in which things are said and what words get put first. Um, I think it's very telling that the very first amendment of the Bill of Rights is freedom of religion, freedom of speech, um, freedom to protest. And then the second one is literally freedom to protect yourself, 
defend the first one and defend everything else that comes after this. Yeah. Um, I think we could do a whole episode on the Second Amendment. Um, I think my final words would be like, I don't think the Founding Fathers foresaw what guns could become. It is obvious that we can put some sort of regulation in place while still allowing the right to bear arms. A background check just prevents, in best cases, those who should not have guns from not having them. There are situations where people should not have guns. I understand the fear around, well, if background checks exist, then how they could start putting me on a list. Well, there's no fly list, and they can take away your, you know, other rights there. Um, I think the string of mass shootings in the United States, which is unique to the United States, means we need to address this. I don't think it is a complete weapons ban by any means, but we do need to look at this amendment, what it means, and what people should have the rights to, and what those who are meant to protect us in the day-to-day should have access to, to protect us, not kill us. So, I mean, the biggest thing, um, in my opinion, with um, the Second Amendment and access to guns is we need we need honest and um realistic you know reforms to how people have access to guns um you know sensible things background checks just make sense you don't want a career criminal being able to just walk in and buy tons of ammunition personally i think Going after guns is really the wrong thing to regulate. You want to regulate something, regulate ammunition. Um, in all honesty, you look at the, the printer industry. They practically will give you a printer for free, but they'll charge you $200 for a stupid cartridge of ink that uh, only prints 20 pages, and then they're going to charge you $2 for a piece of paper. Um, you really want to – people are going to think differently if each bullet costs 50 bucks. Yeah, and uh, I... you you really want to uh, curtail a lot of things. Um, the Constitution protects guns; it says nothing about ammunition. So, yeah. you really want to go after something that would be the low hanging fruit there. And in terms of the Second Amendment, the you know they always people always go with the slippery slope. And it's one of those, if the regulations you put in place are clear and concise, you don't have a problem. The problem is when you shut down the debate entirely, it just breeds the political culture of us versus them. But there are clear ways where you could have a positive change and an actual dialogue and a think the biggest problem our country faces is we don't have honest dialogues anymore because we just you know everybody goes to their side and they shout over ravine you know if you put in place an arbitrary regulation you know yes you're going to have problems i would be against that but if you put clear concise regulations in with owning guns like you know no uh you can't have an ordinance that can take down a city block Okay, cool. But if we just say, 
You're telling me my right to bear arms does not allow me to have an electromagnetic pulse detonator to take out an entire city? No. No, oh, it does not. Darn it. But but stupid things based off of I mean here I mean if if you actually study and research guns, you learn that a lot of guns aren't actually what they seem even though they look like you know other guns like take the ar-15 versus an m4 m4 is what the military uses ar-15 is what a civilian can buy they look almost identical they could not be farther from the truth the ar-15 uses smaller ammunition it is single fire it can't do a three-round burst or rapid fire you know it's one of those you take off you you take off the shell of it and you actually compare the components, it's no, you know, and that's one of the things. People want to ban an AR-15, but they're going to allow me to have, uh, you know, a uh, 50 caliber sniper rifle. I'm sorry, but that sniper rifle is going to do a thousand times more damage than that the AR-15 is. I, I agree. Um, we could get stuck here forever. I will say the AR-15 can be modified. I know some people who have done it to become three-round burst or even multi-burst shots. Uh, but that gets into maybe some regulation around guns. Um, but to not get stuck on the Second Amendment, if you don't have anything else, we'll hop on to the Third Amendment. I'll just say this. One form of regulation for guns. How about this? Put a law that says you can't modify a gun. Boom. Now that's illegal. Yep. Move yeah. on. Yep. <laughs> um, number three. Kind of a useless uh, one. But uh, soldiers can't be quartered in your house in time of peace and in war. It's only through the direction of Congress. Um, some people said it was used for the first time ever a couple weeks ago when the governor of, or sorry, mayor of Washington, D.C. Oh. Uh, tried to use it to kick yeah. National, Guard kick out of, National Guard out of the hotels. Yeah, which uh, is... Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. Court, it's obviously, she's never actually read the Constitution or opened a book because uh, what quartering means is that the soldiers are forced to be in someone's home or property unpaid. Doesn't really apply if someone books a fucking hotel room and actually pays for it with cash. But you know what? You stand on your political soapbox and keep uh, promoting division and non-unity in the country. Yeah, let's just be clear. This is an amendment that has never really gotten use. Um, and with the way things are today, um, the chance of it ever having to be used are so ridiculously slim. I uh, feel like this amendment was put in there as I feel like if you were to poll the founding, you know, the founding fathers and really ask them, I think back in the day, this was something they were super scared of. Because it and happened, were like, the British were like, did it. Yeah, this is like, no, 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 guys, this this is what's important. This is We're going to need to keep this for the long term. And then I feel like, you know, we as a society kind of evolved, and we don't really have to worry about it. Although I will say, what will be the canary in the coal mine for society breaking down will be when the Third Amendment gets infringed, when... The Third Amendment gets infringed. That's when we all look at each other and go, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, oh, how do we get here? But it is a slim chance. So 
mean, uh, the Nazis did it. Yeah, so, yeah, the Nazis. Does just, make sense to. It, it is. That was only it does make sense. Seventy years ago. Yeah. Wars don't tend to break out on American soil anymore. Um, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. We kind of got this locked down, you know, sea uh, to shining sea. It country. is 2020. Before the end of 2020, I am not knocking out the possibility of a war on American soil because it's 2020. Any fucking thing could happen at this point. Um, we got our eye on you, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico. We got your eye on you too, Mexico. You're kidding. Neither of them want to invade us. They're kicking us out because of COVID. So, uh, different point. Uh, number four, uh, warrants for search of people's and they can secure their persons, their items. Um, digital has changed this a lot uh, because I, it's been back and forth on whether digital devices are your items. Um, my other concern on this is renting um if you rent your apartment technically you don't own that property and the police could go to your landlord and say we want to search you and if the landlord wants to let the police search you it, it it's your landlord's right yep because it is his property that you are putting stuff on or her property that you're putting stuff on. I think the same applies to cell phones. Even if we got a digital um, bill of rights that protected our digital property too, which it's not, I think from everything I've seen protected currently under the fourth amendment, a lot of people buy their cell phones on this. Well, it's going to be two years before you own it. So you are, slowly buying it from your cell phone provider so they could go to Verizon and say, hey, right. we need so-and-so's phone records and whose are they? Are they your records or are they Verizon's records and who has the right to give those up? Well, let's dip into the conspiracy world real quick and uh, go with my favorite uh, personal conspiracy, which is the whole reason why all the major cell phone companies switched to... Um, doing phones on basically lease contracts was one so they could suck more money out of us because they're greedy pigs but two so that we would not technically own our phones and the nsa and all the government organizations could legally um collect and harvest all the data that they wanted from us because remember this is the government is not allowed to do it private corporations can do whatever the hell they want which is why google amazon uh, Facebook, Apple, and Apple, and Microsoft are constantly harvesting all your data, which you agreed to in the terms and conditions. And uh, as someone who is both a consumer and someone who does buy advertising, I'm okay with it because yep. if I want to target a 28 year old male who's into Magic the Gathering and plays Call of comfortable Duty, comfortable chairs, comfortable gaming chairs, I want. Uh, to target that ad specifically to them and don't want a 69-year-old uh, grandmother who's uh, into knitting and cookies. But she could also like comfortable chairs, just a different style of comfortable chairs. That'll be a different ad. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't have much else here other than I think uh, we need to consider a digital rights amendment at some point. What of yours digitally 
is rightfully yours to not be searched without a warrant because it is not clear today um, what that is. I, yeah, I, will, I think instead of an amendment, I feel that there needs to be a case brought, a, brought against the Supreme Court. And in all honesty, the my personal belief is that the like the whole it's it's basically a loophole it's the non-owning loophole that because you don't technically own it it's not yours, yours and therefore the the government can infringe on your rights i think you know we either we need an amendment that changes the wording or we need a supreme court case to rule in favor of this but i feel the the verbiage should be either interpreted as to mean, you know, property doesn't necessarily mean you need to be the one who has ownership of it. It should be, it should go to mean that you're the person in possession of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's a big problem, you know, with, uh, copyright and, um, Oh, don't get me started on copyright pictures, but you know, I mean, how many, how many times do tabloids run stolen pictures of celebrities or anything like that, and they're able to skirt it because, well, you know, the celebrity's going, you know, that's that's my personal image, you know, that's this is a violation of privacy, and I know we're stepping away from the government, but you know, same ideology applies, and the response in law has always been, well, the celebrity didn't take the picture, you know, the you know, their partner did or someone yeah. else took the picture. Therefore, you don't have rights over that picture to take it down, even though it's your likelihood or likeness. You know, it's, you know, they own the picture. You know, they have control of it. You know, that person wants to make a buck. So they say, oh, yeah, sure. You know, you could use that picture. I mean, I think we need clarification on this because my personal belief is that when this amendment was written, they weren't thinking of it in terms of, you know, proof of ownership. I have the deed to this. This has to be mine. You know, I mean, look, in the 1700s, ownership was a much looser concept. You know, It we was didn't... also a very different concept. There wasn't credit cards and stuff. There right. wasn't there really weren't cases where you owned owned something you didn't literally own that right. you were had bought and were still paying someone else the money for what you owned at that time renting was not a super common thing then um there are tons of renters today it's almost as popular as home ownership in some areas i can tell you uh in right. brighton here i think it's 48 percent of brighton is renters so Right. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you you didn't really have loans back then. I mean, banking wasn't even anything close to what it is today. So I think the concept of ownership, you know, my personal belief with the Constitution and all the amendments is that, you know, there's a give and take between strict interpretation and loose interpretation and people either fall to one side or the other personally i believe it needs to be you need to look at the amendment in the time in which it was written and that's where you need to judge strict versus loose and i 
personally believe that the Fourth Amendment should fall under a loose interpretation just because the concept of what ownership was back then was very different from what it is today. Agreed. Uh, I'll leave you with this before we move on to five. Um, There's a whole conspiracy we could talk about around ownership and creating a new surf class with the way we do ownership today. Uh, But uh, we're just, we're just teasing all of our four listeners with uh, a a whole conspiracy. conspiracy. I think we might need to do a conspiracy podcast. We're going to have to find some, we're going to have to find absinthe somewhere and uh, you know, just go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. We won't put that on this podcast. We'll put it on my other podcast and we'll do a whole conspiracy thing. Uh, we'll just reference it like comic books do. You know, uh, you need to know what's happening in Thor. Go read Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, Remember, we have created an expanded universe. Yes. Uh, moving on, five establishes the grand jury when a grand jury is needed, um, when your rights to a grand jury could be removed, and also that private property is yours without compensation. Pretty much government can't seize your land without paying for it if we needed to build a major highway uh you know government could come in and seize your land but they're gonna have to properly compensate you for that i think this is one of the amendments that gets used the most without really being known what the fuck it is oh and also it's pleading your fifth uh, right to not self-incriminate so yeah there you um, go that's what that's what i was getting at yeah, another case that I didn't even write down because, God, you hear it all the time. I'm pleading the fifth. I'm I pleading plead the, the fifth. fifth. I'm pleading the fifth. So I'd, I'd like to plead my Fifth Amendment right. Um. Yeah. You don't uh, need to actually say that. Yeah, and it makes you look guilty when you plead the fifth because right. you, you're going to self-incriminate yourself if you don't plead it. Um. Yeah, so that's really what five does. I think it's interesting, you know, that we we wrote into it the... Uh, private property cannot be taken without uh, compensation. Probably another thing coming back to Britain, coming in and seizing property. Well, right. yeah, the government can seize your property for cause, but they have to pay you for your property. I think um, I think the one mistake, or at least I think a fault in interpretation of that last part no um nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation i think the worst uh most egregious one of the most egregious interpretations of the constitution is that part of just compensation i think it gets abused um greatly by both local state and federal government um because just compensation is such a loose term and most of the time it's the it's the the government that's trying to buy the personal you know usually it's land it's the government that's that's buying the land that is also assessing the value of it and i think throughout history because that amendment one doesn't get a lot of attention and two um not a lot of people really think about that you know if if the buyer is allowed to set their price and is allowed to then turn around and say, well, no, look, the Constitution says that we just have to provide just compensation. It doesn't say fair market value, 
just says just. It just says just. So look, I think look your your property. You know, you paid twenty dollars for it. We want to build a railroad. We'll give you eighteen dollars because of depreciation. Yeah, and in ten years, it's going to be worth you know five hundred thousand dollars. But right now, just compensation. You know, is uh, eighteen dollars, and because you know we're the government, and we had to walk all the way over here from you know Arkansas. You know, we got to cover our expenses, so we're going to pay you ten dollars. And uh, if you don't take the ten dollars, we're going to shoot you. And then we're going to offer it to your widow because that's just. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my uh, views on that part of the that part of the amendment. Could really probably use some tweaking. Um, moving on. Article six. Uh, right to a speedy trial, impartial, impartial jury, and that uh, trial must take place in the state where the crime took place. Um so speedy trial, I think uh, our court system is severely backed up and trials get delayed way too long nowadays. And I think there's a case that the people don't have speedy trials anymore. Impartial uh, jury. We've seen jury rigging before. This is the whole jury of your peers. A lot of times that doesn't happen, um, especially in certain crimes. They try to make a jury more white uh, if it's a black defendant because, you know, they... if the prosecutor wants to get the person and they know that white people are more likely to prosecute. Uh, so jury rigging. Um, and then the final thing is the state where the crime took place. One thing I just want to bring attention to here. Uh, there's some interesting podcast about uh, state parks and the way the, this law works within state parks, that if the most of the state park is in one state, but part of it is in another state, uh, the, the crime actually has to, or the, trial has to take place in which the uh, state park is mainly in. So there's one state park that potentially has a murder free zone because it's in a different state. So if you murder them in that other state, you can't be tried in that state and you are free to go. Loophole! Loophole! Well, that's fun. Yeah. I think it's interesting to note that uh, two amendments in a row deal with criminal proceedings and the court system. Oh, it's three. Seven's going to be about the court system as well. Oh, that's right. Three. Remember, Actually, I don't have my notes. Actually, four. Eight also is about the court system. So we were very... Well, you have to remember, founders of the Constitution... And the Bill of Rights were lawyers, and lawyers like to talk about themselves yep. and make sure that everything they did. But to uh, jump off of the uh, derailment train real quick, it's, uh, it is one of the big things that sets our country apart from most other countries in the world is our court system. And for whatever flaws may exist, we do have very well regulated system and it is still one of the best in the entire world Uh, it's one of those where we took the time when we founded the country to put in place what should and should not happen now I think there are um, biases I think there is corruption 
within the court system, I have a huge problem in terms of how most judges become judges in terms of needing to be political entities. I, I believe that the whole judicial branch should be apolitical, but it's almost impossible for that to happen. I don't have a solution on how you, you know, become a judge without having to be elected or appointed on a political basis. But I, I think the biggest, I don't think the framers knew how to get around that either, which is why they don't talk about it at all. But I think one of the biggest breakdowns in our criminal justice system has been the fact that it is plagued by um, politics. And, you know, when you have a DA that's able to, you know, run on a political platform and jump parties, even, you know, just because they want to stay in power. I feel that's a problem when you have judges, you know, that run not because they want to seek truth, but because they're going to be tough on crime or, you know, for reform it, you take, you know, what these four amendments, thank you for correcting me, Jake, fact-checking me, four yeah. amendments um, are about, and then you, you know, shift the entire system away. And I think um, the Sixth Amendment doesn't get enough play in our court system. I think the right to a speedy trial is abused constantly. Um, it's literally, the, you know, the first fucking thing they put in the amendment. Oh, yeah. And I think it's one of the ones that gets overlooked the most. And I think it gets excused a lot. Like, oh, you know, well, court you know, system's the courts, up. it's backed up. Or, no, we need to give time to, you know, to research this or whatever, whatever, whatever. And it, I mean, the... The when they wrote this amendment, they didn't mean oh a speedy trial when it's convenient for you. They meant no, you don't get to stick the guy in jail for three months while you innocent till proven guilty. Yeah, but when you drag out a court proceeding, you're presuming you're holding them and you're presuming guilt until it's like you're guilty until we get to court, and then you're innocent. And then once it's over, then you're guilty again. Yeah. And yeah, we'll we're gonna we're almost through the ten, and then we'll get onto a couple more. And this is I there's gonna be a running theme that I'm about to go into, but uh, I'll just tease that for now as we continue on with six. Unless you want to move to seven. Uh. You know what? I'm just going to bring 7 and 8 in so we can talk about the court system as a whole. Uh, so 7 establishes when a jury is needed, when small claims court with no jury can be. It establishes double jeopardy that you can't be tried for the same crime twice. 8 establishes no excessive bail or fines, which I think is abused all the freaking time. And uh, no cruel and unusual punishment, which is what a lot of people are saying the death penalty is when they try to ban the death penalty. Right. Um, yeah, well, so we, we created a lot to try to protect the people against the court system. I think when you combine how delayed trials are with how excessive bail can get, you both six and eight are abused all the time. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, excessive bail shall not be required is listed right in the fucking, you know, Bill of Rights. I mean, it's right there. I mean, this is one of the small, one of the shortest amendments in the entire Constitution. It's literally, you know, one sentence. Um, and and yet it, it's not up for interpretation. Excessive bail shall not be required. And personally, what I would take that to mean is, you know, percentage of what someone's income or worth is and don't exceed a certain amount. Don't make it. I mean, how often do judges set bail to specifically make it so as high as high as it can be so the person so you cannot get out? Get out. Like, yes. that's not that is the a point thing that happens. Bail. Like, yeah. bail is because our system is innocent till proven guilty, not as most people would prefer it. Most people want it to be guilty until proven innocent. It doesn't work because you can't prove a negative. So it's innocent till proven guilty. When you have been arrested for something, you haven't been convicted yet. You are innocent until proven guilty. I if, say- if they are setting bail, it is because you are awaiting trial. You're not I mean, literally, what they were afraid of when they wrote this was a judge going, I'm going to set bail at a million dollars because you can't afford it, and then I get to stick you in jail, which is literally what fucking happens today. It happens all the time. I will say with the financial burden we put on people, the amount of bail we charge people is a cruel and unusual punishment for someone we don't even know is guilty. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, and just bail proceedings, like if you've ever sat in a courtroom for a day and, you know, you've just listened to the arguments that go on. And it's in, in my opinion, in most cases, it's completely arbitrary and so fucking asinine. And it is one of the worst parts of our entire court system is how is how bail is handled. Um, I mean, excessive fines. I mean, let's get into, because uh, this is, you know, we're July 2020, um, excessive fines imposed, all the fines going on with state governments around COVID-19 and not wearing a mask, wearing a mask, social distancing. I mean, the excessive fines was to prevent the government from doing exactly what they're doing right now and keep your politics you know you know to our four listeners aside with how you feel on all of those but you have to realize that what a lot of these states are doing is they're not passing laws they are bypassing the legislator by keeping us in a state of emergency which gives undue executive power to the governors who are able to pass edicts and they are forcing them with excessive fines because they can't you can't be arrested for not wearing a mask there's no there's no law there's there's nothing that says there's no procedure to be arrested for not wearing a mask but they can fine you how do you feel about that jake i think fines and tickets are insane but that gets on to the whole quota thing and now that speeding tickets are down, quotas need to be made in different ways. And 
I mean, come on. I mean, state uh, state revenue alone. Um, I mean, it's it's not even we know, shouldn't quotas be from raising revenue through fining citizens. I mean, like right, but and but this is what happens. New York State shuts down all retail commerce. And then we don't make money through taxes. Three so months, gotta... and then sales tax is down seventy percent. And they have the audacity to go sales tax revenues down seventy percent. What happened? I don't know. Most independent retailers um, can't fucking operate. What do you think happened? We're not selling anything. You're not getting I mean, your the money. The inside of malls are still closed. Still, right now. still, I mean, you know, and they're claiming that it has. We, we're going to digress for a second. We're jumping off the uh, track train, but uh, they're, uh, they're my favorite is uh, New York and Government Cuomo, uh, who is who is now, in addition to being a, um, you know, a trained epidemiologist and uh, medical scientist, he is now uh, an engineer um, because he has deemed the HVAC systems of malls to be unsafe. And that is the reason they need to be closed, even though he's not taking into account that uh, most small malls are about the size of a Walmart, which uses the same HVAC system. And they've been open since the very beginning because they sell broccoli. And but, most uh, big malls, uh, especially in Rochester, have extremely high ceilings and glass that lets sunlight in. And there's the air, the air is filtered if not the same, better than a Walmart or a Wegmans. Right. And, you know... Inside the I, store, I get it. Certain stores, maybe not so much. But the mall itself, at least. Right. And here's the here's my other problem with that. And then we'll, I promise to our four listeners, we'll get back on the train. Just hold on to your seats real quick. Um, they, you know... Cuomo came up with this whole plan and, you know, the very expensive, you know, we're going to have to look into, you know, brand new HVAC systems for the malls to, to make them safe, which I'm sure is going to line his pocket some way because uh, the real way that you fix this is you attach a ultraviolet um, purifier to the system. Um, very inexpensive, very easy to do because it's what hospitals do. And uh, boom. Boom. 99% of everything is scrubbed, clean, killed, done, disinfected, and there's nothing else you need to do. You don't need to change the engineering. You don't need to put in a whole new system. You don't need a whole filter relay. Ultraviolet light from the sun kills everything. It's why we're able to exist on this planet for thousands of years, but I digress. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to 9 and 10 with one final statement. Um, malls are already collapsing. Extra fees will not do them any good. Um, it's just going to open up a bunch of land for other development when the malls close down. Um, so, exactly. uh, I'm, I'm going to merge nine and 10 cause I think they go together. Um, okay. pretty much it says, um, people retain rights that aren't listed in the constitution in nine and in 10, it says, uh, the state and people have the rights to control things not outlined in the Constitution. Um, these are just absolutely abused all the time. The federal government makes crazy laws to bypass the fact they don't have the right to do some of the things they want to do. I think we brought it up before on a podcast. Um, one of the greatest examples was 
Uh, we want you to raise the drinking age to 21. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. But we're going to pull all funding for your departments of transportation in your state. Right. I think this, I mean, really, I'm really ragging on the American education system. But when you fall as far as we have in things like math and science, uh, it's not that hard to believe when we focus on things that don't matter. But once again, we don't teach American history or the Constitution or even how our fucking system works in schools practically at all. And I feel like most of the overreaching from the federal government comes from just a basic lack of knowledge in just the 10th amendment. I mean, literally if it's, they literally just said, if it's not listed here, federal government can't fucking do it. It's on, it's on the States. And yet the federal government consistently oversteps and overreaches. And I think most of the reason why they get away with it is because people just don't know about it. So these are the uh, Articles of Confederation amendments, these two. Right. Uh, the Articles of Confederation made us the EU. We were a bunch of states that kind of had a federal government for minor things. That right. was very weak. It less left us open to potentially splitting into multiple states. They realized they needed to do something. They created the Constitution constitution didn't protect the same rights as the articles of confederation we write the bill of rights and we go whoa 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 we're still a state and we have more power than the federal government that's outlined in nine and ten yet we created this behemoth of a government in the constitution which found ways to bypass these two amendments right and personal belief that was able to be achieved by the federal government because there's no term limits yeah federal government can become a behemoth when uh you get the same fucking assholes sitting in there for 40 years yep yeah uh all right we're gonna leave the bill of rights behind and i'm gonna do something new with the new amendments each one i'm gonna list uh the year and how many years between the last amendment. So the first one, this one was passed in 1795, four years after the Bill of Rights. Um, it, it establishes that the constituents' legal powers only apply to Americans, from my understanding of it. So pretty much like, hey, you come to America on a visa for a visit. Um, you commit a crime here. You're not protected by our Constitution. At least that's my understanding of 11. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is always a tricky one for me. I feel like, I mean, the last sentence, the last part of it is, or by citizens or subjects of any foreign state. I think a lot of people don't really pay the 11th Amendment any no. sort of mind, but... Personally, I think it's just sort of a catch-all that says, hey, while you're in this country, you got to follow the laws. Yeah. Um, I take it to mean, you know, even if you're not a citizen, if you're a foreign um, entity. So, well, okay. So here's so oh, my, inter- okay. my Here interpretation is that, um, is that if you are within the boundaries of the U.S., um, 
this pertain, you know, this whole thing, per, you know, the Constitution pertains to you. You have to follow our laws and edicts. Yeah, so pretty much here's here's what it says. Under the authority of this amendment, the states are shielded from suits brought by citizens of other states or foreign countries. So New York can't be sued by Virginia. Uh, New York also can't be sued by Canada. Uh, it would be a suit against the United States, not a single state. Ah, okay. So Good to know. Not, right, both our interpretations not, were wrong. Yeah, not one used often um yeah no I, well i think that was just that's sort of from the sounds of it that just sort of um solidifies the power of the federal government and takes power away from the states but it it helps to prevent the clusterfuck that was the um articles of confederation where literally every state could form their own foreign policy this now, okay, now, knowing that, see, if I had my notes, maybe I would have uh, actually had the correct answer to this, but uh, failed this question on the test. Um, I mean, I think this is a good one. It basically says, look, we're independent states, but uh, we're protected by the shield of the federal government, um, which my personal opinion is that's how it always should be. The, I, I believe the state's should and have a right to operate quasi independently and the federal government's supposed to be there to protect us and keep um keep everything copacetic i you know you compare us you know to the eu i think that's the biggest failing of the eu the eu is basically just hey we're all in this together let's try and get along but you guys can all do your own thing where the EU isn't really a governing body. It's more of, it's more like a United Nations, a powerless, you know, symbolic gesture that just seeks to try and make things nicer, which, yep. you know, the, I mean, this right here basically says, you know, if you're going to come in and try and, you know, fuck with Montana, you're going to get the full force of every single other state in the union. Whereas, Right now with the EU, if someone was to try and invade, you know, um, you know, France, you know, is the rest of the EU really going to rise up and, you know, attack them? No, each country is going to be able to say, well, you know, I don't, you know, it's technically more, they should. They but... should. But it's, you know, the EU is a trade deal. You know, look, I'm I'm not going to sell you as many pairs, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to let France handle the whole fighting bit. All right, let's move on to Article 12, the Jefferson Amendment. Yeah, uh, 1804, nine years after 11, um, changes how the vice president and president are elected. Um, the contentious Burr uh, Jefferson election and Jefferson not wanting Burr to be his vice president allowed this amendment to happen. Um, Which is hilarious because he used the lack of this amendment to basically completely destroy Adam's presidency. Yes. And then and then immediately was like, oh shit, I don't like how this was working for me now. And then of course there's that famous line in uh Hamilton, which is one hundred percent historically accurate. Um stream it now on Disney Plus. Um which is hey, I'm the president, I can change it because Burr's a dick. Yeah, um, look at this guy. He openly campaigns against me, and now he thinks he's going to be the vice president. Also, Burr was a traitor to the United States. Um, 
Benedict Arnold should not be used as the example for a traitor to the United States. Aaron Burr should be because we had a country by the time he became a traitor to the United States, even though it wasn't declared that he was a traitor because treason, there's a whole thing around it. Um, But what I think is interesting in reading this actually is that what it actually did is before this, the person who came in first was president. The person who came in second was vice president. What this actually did was create two different tickets. There is a ticket for president. There is a ticket for vice president. Now, the parties have gone out to say, well, the president gets to pick their vice president and, you know, we're going to make it a combined ticket. But what you're really doing is actually voting for two different tickets when you vote. Right. Um, which is why they call it a running mate, which to me is interesting because there's a lot right now about like who Biden's going to choose um, and things like that. Not that the DNC or RNC could ever would ever do this, but they could technically say we're going to run the president and vice president separate tickets and the president's not going to get to pick their vice president, but you're going to get to pick two Republicans, uh, you know, one we're going to have the president and one we're going to have the vice president. It's not going to be a combined ticket. This actually did not create a combined ticket. It created two separate tickets which the parties have interpreted as a combined ticket. Right. I, that's a very interesting idea. You know, it, I mean, if you think about it, if you were to split them into two separate elections, I mean, that could, you could be right back at where you started with uh, Adams and Jefferson. I don't think you could because, in doing that, they would run at the same time. So I would say you could not run for president and vice president on the same ticket. No, but you could have split ideology, is what I'm saying. So you but could have voting for. So during the primaries, if you're if you're voting separately for president and vice president, because this is going to happen all in the primaries. Though it could happen right. on the national election, there's no way the DNC would allow or RNC would allow a split ticket. But what it is interesting to me is that we could have a split ticket on the primary that instead of a president choosing their vice president during the primary, the people could choose both the president and vice president. And that becomes the ticket for the GOP or DNC. I think it absolutely should be a split ticket in the primary. Um, yes. I and that's think, where I think it would exist more likely. Yeah. I, I think a, I think a big problem with um, – American politics is how the prime is how primary elections are handled. And I mean, first off, every state having their own fucking rules with it is just mental, but you know, to each their own, I don't get to vote in a primary because New York state deems it that if you are, um, an unregistered to a party, you don't, uh, you don't get to have a say in anything. So fuck why I'm registered Democrat. It's the only reason I'm registered is to vote in the primary. I will I will sit on the sideline because I refuse to sign up with a fake team that uh you know does their thing. But I digress. With I think I mean how many times does a presidential candidate basically lose before they ever get off the ground because they chose the wrong running mate? Imagine oh, if God. you were able to go into the primary and you had a fantastic president and you know, everybody agreed that, you know, Jake should be president. And 
Jake chooses um, Tim Kane. <laughs> Tim to be his running mate, and everyone goes, "Really, really, we want Sandra," and was able to correct it in the primary. I mean, I just... then. If this was a situation, you would have never had a Clinton Kane ticket. There was no way those two would have gotten nominated on the same ticket. You would have never had a McCain Palin ticket. There's no way the people would have allowed that ticket to happen. Um, I I think the party should do it during the primary. It should be a split ticket, and the people should get to pick both the president and the vice president. Because guess what? If the president dies, which Joe Biden's old. I don't want him to die, but if he wins and be- goes into office, there's a chance within his four years that he would. There's even a chance I'm, if Trump gets reelected, he's going to die within his four years in office. I mean, Trump we didn't was get to ele- pick the next person. Right. Trump was elected as the oldest president in history. If Biden wins, he will he will be the oldest president in history. If Biden wins with his diminished mental capacity and just the way He's been appearing on TV recently, which if I was in his camp, I would literally say, stick him back in his basement and don't let him come out till November. Find a way to get out of the debates, which I conspiracy theory feel that they are doing everything in their power to make sure that no debates happen because that's going to be a shit show. But if if Biden does win, my prediction is two years and then he's done. He's either going to be out on some. Uh, mental capacity or he's going to pass away and it's not a threat or anything on him the man's 77 years old no i, I mean, don't want to see him die the, but there's the, a chance I mean, in the stress the stress in office i mean i firmly believe if if he gets elected we're going to get two good years out of him and then it's either going to be weekend at bernie's or i mean and, he's out and that's and that's the problem with not splitting the ticket is because they're going to pick whoever We're going to they... get President Kamala Harris, and I'm not going to say anything on if I agree or disagree with Kamala Harris or Stacey Abrams, who's probably another high chance on there, but we didn't get to pick that person at all in I mean, a primary, in anything. The problem that happens with the vice president, because there's literally no accountability for the vice president. As you said, we don't pick the vice president. The president picks the vice president. So what the parties do is they pick someone who they believe is competent or qualified to be president. And then they usually go to a radical fringe for their VP because most people will go, well, yeah, they're they're out there, but, you know. They're not president. They're vice president. And it's especially dangerous with um, going into 2020 with Biden because, I mean, we've never had a president that old. And personally, I believe there should be an age limit on becoming president. Just as we talked before, there should be an age limit for the Supreme Court. I mean, there's something to be said for um, for wisdom and experience, but Let's be, you know, let's cut the bullshit hubris of humans are perfect and immortal. We break down after about 40. The body starts to diminish. We have an age limit on holding the office. Why not uh, a minor limit? You know, 35 for president. Why not have a maximum? Exactly. We understand that 
that mental capacity and cognitive ability is a thing. You can't be too young because your brain in your isn't fully formed and your experience isn't fully fledged out. But, oh, yeah, when that old piece of shit starts to decay and decrepit and has holes in it and synapses aren't firing, I mean, fuck it. I mean, you put in the work. That's okay. And the my problem and is, I guarantee you this is what the Democrats are going to do this year because the Democrats usually play it safe on their VP. And, I mean, let's be honest. Biden was a very safe choice for VP. He's yes. white. He's slightly racist. He's tough on crime. You know, he was the perfect choice to put with Barack Obama because Barack Obama, first black president, you know, from Chicago. Great. So let's put an old, slightly racist white guy next to him so that the people that lean that way can go, eh, at least I got my, you know, you know, I got my feelings, you know, covered, but, you know, he's not too offensive. You know, he's he's vanilla. He's white bread. He's vanilla ice cream. Great. But what's going to happen now is I guarantee you, I mean, Hillary, she chose Tim Kaine. Could he be more boring, more vanilla? But what's going to happen now is you're having, you have Biden, who... I still believe Democrats get him off the fucking ticket and pick someone else. God, there's so many other more qualified people you could you do instead. Know it, of they'll my... be Cuomo though. Uh, if it's if it's Cuomo, I I will personally personally do everything I can to support Trump. I'll buy a MAGA hat and I will rally against Cuomo because he's a piece of shit. It's gonna be and Harris or Abrams though for his vice president. I I think they might choose someone more radical. I don't think they will. I, wait, hold on, I'm going to go into my conspiracy theory real quick, and then we'll jump back on the amendment train. Uh, my conspiracy theory is that um, they're going to... And this goes back to the fact that we don't get to pick our VP. Biden's, you know, Biden's running for president. They're going to pick someone who's not super radical, okay? And they're going to put him in as the VP. They're going to get elected. Within the first 30 days, something is going to happen to the vice president, and they are going to resign. We are then going to get the most extreme person appointed to the VP position, like your whack job AOC or someone that is way out there. And then Biden is going to step down for diminished health capacity and someone who never even appeared on a ticket is going to be our president. And that is how you steal a country. Oh, you mean Gerald Ford? Uh, yes, also the premise of House of Cards. But No, no, I mean Gerald Ford. That, <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Uh, Spiro Agnew had to step down. Nixon picked Ford. Nixon had to step down. Ford became president. Exactly. So, all right. And we, know, and we all know how that worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, your favorite, Article 13, uh, 1865, 61 years till the next amendment. Um, ban slavery and involuntary servitude unless you're a criminal, and then it's okay. So... And that's why we can have our prisoners working as slave labor today. 
I have a huge fucking problem with this amendment. And because it, it doesn't is, ban slavery, it just bans it, it in specific cases. It is too long. Okay, you you have, you know, you could have cut the amendment in half. And it would have been right. Just say neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Take out except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. Take that out. They put that in there because of our penal system. I have a huge problem with how our penal system works it is not a rehabilitation system it's why it's cons- it is consistently overcrowded it's why it consistently fails why um it's why new york rates. state had hand sanitizer and license plates man oh god it, it's just it's asinine and it's stupid and it just was not thought through and it it led to um you know because it it just says accept as a punishment for a crime, whereas the party shall have been duly convicted. Well, guess what happened after the South lost the war? Reconstruction happened and all the southern states came back in. Well, guess what a crime was? Uh, being a slave and running away was a crime. You could be arrested. Well, guess what? You could be put on pro with a brother like, but slavery was outlawed, so you can't be arrested for that. Right. But you could be on parole. Or you could have been a previously convicted felon. And this is what happened in the South. They wrangled up free slaves who had been convicted of the crime of running away as a slave. And now they had the way to put them back into slavery by using the penal system. And because our penal system doesn't rehabilitate, it just punishes. Our entire system has spiraled out of control. And I have a huge problem with it we need an amendment to strike those words from the constitution i mean i have a huge it is because of this that so many other things have happened with um the criminal justice system the criminal justice system i mean why do criminals not have the right to vote just because you've been convicted of a felony doesn't mean that you lose all of your rights under the constitution no um, it doesn't it, i full like look while you're in prison, fine. Lose your right to vote. I'm fine with that. That's okay. You're currently being punished for vi- violating the law of the land. I'm good with that. That's okay. But you have served your time. You want to take it away while they're on parole because they're technically not you know, fully recovered from their criminal past? You know, I'll, con- I'll concede to that too. That's okay. But once they're fully free and have served their time entirely, they deserve to have all of their rights reinstated. You, there's no argument you could make that'll change my mind on this on this point. You can't say that, you know, well, because they're a criminal, their mind is damaged, or, you know, they gave up the right, you know, to be represented. No, th- that's not how our country works. You don't get to pick and choose certain things under the Constitution. But so, by leaving this in there, we've been able to deem that... If you're convicted of a crime, you are less than human, and it's it's a huge problem. I don't think it was done intentionally. I think it was done without forethought because you have to remember the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, so much thought went into that. We had years. We had failures. 
we were fresh and we were like, we are not going to make a mistake. And I think in the outset of the Civil War, a lot of things were just rushed into. And I think very little forethought was put into this. I mean, if you just I mean, Congress passed it, you know, in January, it was, you know, January 31st, it was ratified, you know, December 6th. It that's a year, but it doesn't, it's not actually that long, you know, was the verbiage really poured over? Did people debate this? I think it was, look, this does it, you know, we don't want to screw up the, our penal system right now, keep that in place and move on. So, um, before moving on to the 14th, I'll have this. First of all, I, I a hundred percent agree. We need an amendment to strike out that, uh, line. Um, I will say, I don't think at the time this was written, it was uncommon practice to use criminals as involuntary servitude. Um, I would not say the word slaves for what they were using them for, but even white criminals at the time were put into involuntary servitude. Um, It was how a lot of America was founded. You got in trouble for a crime. You were going to go serve seven years in the colonies. And if you survived, you were freed. But now you're in the colonies and you weren't Britain's issue anymore. You were the colonies issue. Um, So I think at the time this was written, this was not unusual practice. I think it has led to so many issues and we need a constitutional amendment to remove involuntary servitude from criminal um, punishment. That's the last statement I have on the 13th. I agree. And it's, it's simple, you know, it, you, you can set it up so that it doesn't, you can interpret it so that it doesn't completely dismantle our current criminal justice system, because you strike that line. Basically, look, once they're out, they get all their rights back because they're, they're human beings, they're citizens while they're in jail and while they're out, they're not slaves. And, you know, they're in jail. If you're going to make them work, pay them a wage. Does it have to be a living wage? No, because you're providing you're providing free health care. You're providing they, free food. You're providing clothes. They should make they should, something. They should be able to afford stuff at the commissary. They should be able to make phone calls and right. prisons. We need a constitutional amendment to ban private prisons is the other thing. Right. Um, right. They should, it, will, it should not be a profit-making system. No, um, it, it created new plantations. It's just a prison. Right. Now. Basically, I mean, it's one of those, you know, and look, if you have prisoners in a prison, you know, doing work, you know, there's the whole thing of, well, you know, if you're going to pay them, you know, they get everything for free. Well, then pay them $15 an hour, you know, or whatever minimum, whatever you want the minimum wage to be, pay prisoners that and then make them pay for everything. You know, yeah. don't give them their clothes for free. Make them pay for it. If, uh, you know, make them pay for their meals. Make them, you know, pay for, you know, all of the the amenities that prisoners get for free. You can, you Charge can them. invalidate a lot of the arguments by just saying, look, if you pay them, you make them pay for all the things and then it, it equals itself out. They don't need to be slaves. They don't need to be indentured servants. We can get they, around it. It's very easy. Common definitely sense. Definitely don't. We're, yeah. We'll, right. we'll move on from that. 14th. 14th is a long one. It's a multi-section one. Um, 
Section 1 establishes all born in the U.S. are citizens and states cannot deprive people of their rights. Section 2 does away with the three-fifths compromise, establishes 21 years old as men, 21-year-old men as the countable vote. Um, Section 3 stopped Confederates from holding power as they engaged in rebellion against the U.S., but allowed Congress to overrule this by a two-thirds vote. And uh, Section 4 stopped payments for lost slaves um, and some of the South's charges for the Civil War. Pretty much like a plantation owner couldn't come and say, well, I just lost 100 employees. The federal government owes me my due compensation for the property they just took. Uh, They took that away. Um, This was three years. This was 18 68 three years after article 13 and starts the some of the steps of uh how to reintegrate the country after the civil war yeah and here's an amendment i think is very well written it it's a little long personally i believe amendments should be shortened to the point the problem with making amendments with multiple sections and lots of verbiage is you start the, the Constitution is supposed to be a living, breathing thing. When you make a, an amendment that's too specific, too concise, you you lose the bit of interpretation and in it being able to change over time. And I, I'm not criticizing this amendment at all, but what happens when you um, make an amendment so specific, you have the only way to get around it is you have to ratify another amendment which we are going to get into because you're going to see that play out my so my only criticism of the amendment is that it's it you know it's a very long wordy amendment it's not a problem because i feel it was actually necessary for this particular amendment i don't feel um in the future you know that's the way it needed to be but for the purposes of reconstruction i mean in all honesty what they really should have done is they it should have been five separate amendments sort of like they could have done the bill of rights in one single amendment they didn't have to break it up into 10 i'm gonna guess Um, there was something in here that they didn't think would get passed as separate amendments but by lumping them together they knew it would get passed together i mean that's fair i mean if you it was passed by Congress in 1866. It took two years for it to be fully ratified. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it makes, you know, once again, you know, the time it took to, you know, make sure that uh, everybody was on board, that everything was right with it. Um, you know, yeah. and that makes sense. And I get it, especially because, you know, we're during, we're at reconstruction at this point. We're bringing in, you know, the, the union is trying to get these um, democratic run states to, you know, give up their old ties and, you know, come back, you know, into um, the union fully. Uh, the reason why I say democratic states and not Confederate states is because at this point, the Confederacy has been abolished. You know, the South is, you know, democratic run by Democrats, that was the party of the Confederacy. So, you know, not throwing shade on anybody. No. Uh, we'll up. probably do one about the... Uh, um, Civil War? No, uh, the nineteen, the Southern strategy and when the parties flipped. 
Um, you mean the fact that they didn't flip? I mean, they, they kind of flipped. Did they? Did, did, we're not... I really want it. You know, no, fuck it. No, I'm, no, I'm jumping off this train. No, I'm not going to jump off that train. That was a tease for another... Yeah, that's another episode um, coming. Uh, okay, okay, Article 15, pretty basic. This is a small one. 1872 years later, establishes basic voting rights for freed people and that your rights can't be denied based on color, uh, race, or previous condition of servitude. Pretty much says, yeah, you have the right to vote. So right here, this is this is what I take issue with, with preventing um, convicted felons from being able oh, to vote. Oh, you mean previous it, conditions of servitude? Right, What and the fact that we say, oh, but we can lock someone up in jail and treat them as an indentured servant or a slave because the 13th Amendment allowed it, but they were smart and they said, 15th Amendment, you can't prevent someone from voting, previous condition of servitude. Uh, excuse me, hello, hello, is anyone paying attention to this right now? Nope, no, no, All right. no, no. Uh, let, let's hop on to Article 16 uh, in... 1913, 43 years later, we establish an income tax on people because we did not have an income tax up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We needed to raise more money. War was upon us. Uh, you know, it was getting close. So Congress came with a way to get more money from people. Yeah, I personally I I'm conflicted on this amendment. I feel I feel it's important, but at the same time I feel the amendment gives Congress too much power without having a basically any check or balance on it. I uh, personally I feel the um I feel the rate of income tax should be determined by the people. I don't think Congress should have the right to just do it willy-nilly. I think they should have the right to be able to establish, collect, and, you know, um, But, like, do every it. presidential election, we vote on, you know, we have four choices for the income tax rate, and we vote on it. The right. problem is the people would always vote for the lowest income tax rate, and... But, see, that one... But that's that's what you would think, but yet, how many times... I mean, you know, out here where I live, we just... You know, the town just voted to up the school budget, which basically we voted to up our school tax yeah. for the next two years. And it's one of those, I feel, if you give the power back to the people to determine um, the basically the percentage on what they should be paying on taxes, and I think it should be done, you know, I mean, we vote on this every year when it comes to sc local school taxes. We're voting on our tax rate. Oh, I can get into school taxes on another... Yeah. part but the problem with just saying congress can as can establish the tax you know income taxes and just you know let it be is when you leave it with congress who has no term limits mind you all it's ever going to do is go up it's yep. never going to go down you need an immense shake-up yeah, to I mean, force the, that to force uh, that down because Congress is always going to want more money, 
one because they're greedy but two because of a, just a fallacy of business that most people who go into Congress don't understand how business works, which is why they go into politics, which is if I give you a budget of $1,000 and if you only spend half of that, I'm going to go, oh, good. You don't need all that money. You only spent 500 I'm only going to give you 500 next year. Yep. So problem with politicians is they go, well, you gave me $1,000. I want to spend $1,000. And then they spend $1,100 and go, oopsie, I overspent. And we go, okay, we'll up the budget to 1200 this year, you know, just in case, but don't go over that. And they go, okay. And then, then they, they hit 12. Then yeah. they hit 12 and they go, well, we need a little bit more. Before you know it, what should have just been a $1,000, you know, budget is now $5 trillion. You're like, yeah, how do I we mean, get here? Because you kept fucking upping it because we didn't have the control to let us determine. Because if you let the people determine what their tax rate is, you're right. Most people are going to vote for the tax rate to be lower until shit starts to fucking break down. And then you're like, you know what? That bridge out of town really looks like a piece of shit. Well, we could fix it if we raise the taxes by 2%. 2%, that's all? Yeah, and then we get a new bridge. We get a new bridge. And a uh, new soccer field. Woo! All right. 2%. Like, people aren't dumb. We're not going to vote ourselves into, you know, destitute. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say these two things. First of all, um, I think income tax should be a flat percentage across all people. So it's 10% of what you make. That means the person who makes $100 has to pay $10 into the system. The person who makes $1,000 has to pay $100 into the system, and that it should be a flat percentage tax on income. I will also say, as the former treasurer of the fraternity who got us out of the red into the black, um, sometimes you have to raise taxes. It works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it solves some money issues. Um, yes, people are unhappy when dues for the semester are $400, but it gets you back into a financial system that is clear and then the next semester they can be 200 because we're not collecting past dues anymore so yeah income tax yay okay article 17 i think this will be a quick one it was in 1913 just two months later um it changed senators from being selected by governors and bodies inside a state to direct vote um the one thing i did want to draw attention to is uh, this line, this amendment shall not be so construed as to affect the election of terms before it became valid. Um, this will get into when I think we talk about future amendments and term limits, how you get it done. Yes. So, yeah, no, very straightforward amendment. Totally fine. Yeah. Got no problem with it. Uh, senators should be chosen by the people, not by governors. Could you imagine if Andy Cuomo was allowed no, to pick no, senators. No. I mean, well, granted, Chuck Schumer. It would still be Chuck Schumer. We'd still get, you know, that, you know, terrible bag of garbage. Um, I don't know if but, he would have uh, gone uh, Gillibrand, though. I don't know yeah. if he would have gone Gillibrand. Um, uh, yeah, that's he, a different story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, very important last line. Amendment shall not be so constructed as to affect the election or term of any senator chosen before it becomes valid as part of the Constitution. Very important meant uh those who were currently senators uh didn't uh lose their jobs know, didn't lose their jobs very important yeah. i think uh 
will come into play when we talk about future amendments, especially term limits. That's how you get it done, boys. Uh, 18th Amendment, um, probably one of the worst amendments uh, in 1919. Six years later, it started Prohibition. Um, I have a lot of issues with this amendment. Um, this is what happens when you let the federal government get too big and too full of themselves and think that uh, they need to govern social morality. So let's, let's let's remember what the Constitution is supposed to be. The Constitution is supposed to be a document that protects our rights that were given to us by God. Yeah. This one just fucking goes off the rails. So here's my issue. There was a drinking problem in America at the time um, that needed to be addressed. I don't think this was the right way to do it. What this did was increased crime in America. It fell to the will of a strong vocal group but did not fall to the will of america as a whole and it was proven by the results of prohibition and the crime increase and bootlegging that took place um I, i'm gonna hop right into the 19th amendment here because this took place in 1920 one year later women's right to vote um Prohibition and women's right to vote were tied together. Women helped get prohibition passed to get the right to vote. That's why we wound up with prohibition. Giving women the right to vote was the right thing to do. Prohibition was the wrong way to handle our drinking problem. Agreed. So, and we'll get to how bad of an amendment prohibition was in just a little bit. Just two amendments away. Uh, and this goes back to what I said earlier, but yes, we'll continue. Yeah, it, and it fell way too much to the will of a, uh, it is, it, it scares me what a, a vocal group could do potentially. I don't think it could happen again, something like this, but it, it does show that it is possible. Um, women getting the right to vote. I don't have anything to say other than that was the right thing. And I think it's sad that it needed to be tied to the prohibition movement. Yeah. And uh, with the um, prohibition and um, the 18th Amendment, it's just um, just one of those that look this. I mean, that goes back to the problem with putting things in the Constitution and the amendments that never should have gone in there. And the only way to get them out is you have to pass another amendment. And while it's not as hard to pass an amendment as it was under the Articles of Confederation, it's still really fucking hard. Yep. Yeah. Um, you got anything on the 19th women's right to vote other than it was the right thing to do? Should have happened years before. Yeah. Should have happened way earlier. Yeah. Shouldn't have been tied to prohibition. When, uh, when, the, uh, when they gave um, – when they put in the uh, 15th Amendment – they really should have just added sex. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's it. That's, but... that's all they had to do was just add one more word. Yeah. You know, on amount, uh, on account of race, color, sex, or previous condition of servitude. But we had to, you know, we had to dip our toe in the water, go slowly. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, 20. Article 20, 
1933, 13 years later, this is another long one. Section 1 establishes when the terms for president and Congress end. Section 2 establishes when Congress must meet. Section 3 establishes rules for electing the president. Section 4, how to select the president and vice president in case of death. And 5 and 6, when it takes effect and is ratified. Um, I didn't do a ton of research on this one, but my main takeaway was why was this amendment needed? What was happening in 1933? Like, this doesn't seem related to the Great Depression. I just don't understand why this was passed. Was there some um, question? Like, a president was like, no, I'm not going to leave office on that date. I I don't know. Um, I f- you know, I feel like this is just Congress getting scared at the powers. I mean, I think it's it's a growing. Um, I mean, as you go through the next couple, um, ah. next couple amendments, I think there's been you know it starts. You know, we've we've gotten through Reconstruction, um, but I think there's a growing fear of um, the power of the president. Yep, getting too great. Which eventually plays out later. Here's the reasoning. It's the lame duck amendment. Um, It was to remove the excessively long period of time there was from the presidential election or congressional election to the point they lost office. There was a long lame duck term where they could pretty much pass laws um, without having to deal with consequences because they already lost their seat. There you go. So that's what that was for. Jake doing research on the fly. Yeah, so, okay, that is a good amendment. I have my why. It has is its purpose. I think it's long. It's another one of those long ones, but it's a good one. Uh, hopping on to 21, 1933, 11 months later, we overturned Prohibition. Hey, Yay. it was bad. The 20s, crime, gangsters, uh, rum runners, all a really bad idea. People getting poisoned by the federal government, releasing... Uh, barrels of whiskey that were made with like really strong chemicals in it. Uh, prohibition was a bad thing. Maybe we should have learned something about that before the war on drugs. Maybe. You know, new prohibition, which is having the same issues. Um, great thing to happen. Prohibition should have been overturned. It was a bad amendment. It had a lot of pitfalls. Um, right. So let's move on to... Article 22, or Amendment 22, 1951, 18 years later, term limits for president doesn't take effect until the current term's over. Um, One thing I did not know, uh, if a president passes away in office or resigns and the vice president serves more than two years of the term, they can only be reelected once. Yes. Not twice. It's not something that gets played very commonly so it's something i must have forgot about that amendment um this is the franklin roosevelt amendment he served four terms congress went oh shit we shouldn't do that we're gonna put limits on the president but hey we can still serve as many terms as we damn well please right and so this gets back to you know starting in the 30s i believe that congress started to have a fear well i think it's always been a running thing since reconstruction that congress had a growing fear with the power of the president um because you know 
in the lame duck period, you know, a president could completely, you know, screw with Congress um, and screw up what they were doing. Um, lame congressmen and senators could screw up uh, what those who were dutifully elected were doing. And I think Congress's biggest fear uh, eventually played out with FDR being elected um, for terms and you know because it was very basically a, a gentleman's agreement before this that uh, two terms uh, two terms because that's what George Washington did and no man would need to serve more than that and FDR went fuck that that's not a rule I do my own thing hey we're and, in the middle uh, of a war I'm gonna keep getting elected yeah it's best for the people that I serve yeah yeah let's and just he go kept with that. getting elected. And I think Congress went, oh, shit. This is bad. This is really, really, really bad. Yeah. And uh, it was a good amendment, and it should have applied to Congress, too. Maybe not have. two terms. I think 12 years total. So six terms in the House, two terms in the Senate. But it's, it should it's, have applied there, too. It's very telling that the amendment... Um, was ratified, you know, what six years after FDR died. Yeah, it it's it's one of those where it wasn't uh something considered while he was in office and while he was president. It's one of those they saw what happened and went shit. Yep. This this is very and the problem with FDR is that he, you know, I mean, look at Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt doesn't run for a technical third term, even though his first term wasn't, you know, he wasn't elected to it. He ascended to it, but he doesn't immediately run for that, you know, that third term because he's following the gentleman's agreement. You know, you're supposed to serve two terms and then you let someone else have a go. And he's, you know, the country could have really benefited from him, you know, running for that third term, but he didn't. And then we have, you know, he decides, nope, I do need to run third-party candidate, Bull Moose Party, our, you know, namesake. And Next episode. <laughs> completely fucks up the election. Um, but yeah. But then FDR comes along and says, hey, this isn't a fucking rule. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And Congress shits themselves. Oh, and then we have God. the passing of the 22nd Amendment. If this was not created by the time a Kennedy, I mean, we open with the Kennedy speech, but if it was, was not created by the time a Kennedy w became president, the Kennedys would have tried to remain in power forever oh, as right. president. That would have been a ruling family. The Clintons, the Bushes, I mean, it is a damn good thing this thing passed. Exactly. Um. Article 23, 1961, 10 years later, we gave Washington, D.C. the right to vote for president for the first time ever. Before that, they didn't even have that right. We, so we've made things a little bit better from D.C. We talked about D.C. in the last episode and how they are not well represented. But at least they can vote for the president. Right. So, you know, yeah. well, I think that's just sort of covering. Well, you know, these are there are <laughs> there are citizens living in here. They should kind of have Maybe. the right to, I mean, you know taxation without representation yeah look uh, i don't think dc should have to pay as many federal taxes as uh, everybody else because they don't have full representation we talked about this on a hey. podcast before that uh, i believe uh territories and districts should have half representation than states 
Well, I think the the House did just vote on D.C. statehood uh, recently. Um, oh, you mean the the House of Propaganda that seems to only pass things that they know are not going to go through the Senate just because yeah, they I mean, want I, it's going to get on a but, political stump? But it is something that is happening. So uh, D.C. should be a but state. See, that's well, all I have. Here's my problem with with what the House is doing right now and uh, passing this D.C. statehood bill. They have no intention of actually making D.C. a state. They don't want it to be a state. They're doing it as a political stunt. And my problem with that is you are hurting the likelihood of D.C. getting real representation down the road because everything about politics and the law is all about precedent. And when you put up a bullshit bill like... We're going to make D.C. a state when we know 100% it is never going to pass. It has never become become a real thing. You're just doing it for face value. It is wallpaper. It is not – paper's not worth what it's written on. And then 20 years from now, we've actually enlightened ourselves and we've gotten the shit out of D.C. And we can actually – you know, we have real thinking people in Congress and we're like, hey, we want to give D.C. real representation. Well, remember in 2020 when we voted on it and, you know, it got shot down. Obviously, the majority of the country doesn't think they should be a state. So, you know, we have that precedent there. I mean, Congress isn't supposed to be doing amendments and things for political gain. They're supposed to yeah, be no. doing their job. And this is why we need term limits so we can get this bullshit over with. More teasers for our final section, proposed amendments. Uh, Article 24, 1964, three years later, um, allows people to vote without poll taxes or other taxes. Uh, Hey, we're taxing people to vote. Uh, That's not legal. Yeah. Oh. Good amendment. Sorry, Jim Jim Crow laws? Did I hear that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. get rid of those. Good amendment. Um, Nothing to say. It's a great amendment. Article 25. Um, messy amendment in my case, uh, just because it's so long. Uh, 1967, three years later, uh, vice president becomes president if uh, the president resigns or death. Um, if the VP resigns or dies, the president picks the next VP and a majority vote of Congress approves that VP. Acting president... Uh, as VP, if the president can't serve and the House and Senate are warned, this is what everyone's talking about when they say 25th Amendment, Trump, uh, this and the fact that uh, the VP and the other heads of the executive branch can say, hey, we're going to remove the president by telling Congress that, hey, he's not fit to serve. That is um, the 25th Amendment. And in my mind, it's just a, a little messy that's right really yeah i think it it, it, st- it starts off good um and it it personally i believe it's a little unnecessary but it you know i you you can see a power struggle you know that happens you know when the president you know i mean you it, you could assassinate the president and then you could you know, before this challenge, you know, does the VP really become the president? You know, there's no clear line of, you know, secession going up. What's scary is under this amendment, a completely non-elected body, the vice president and the chiefs of staff could 
determine a president is incapable of serving and kind of try to force Congress to remove that president, even if the president is capable of serving. Now, if the president served, surrounded himself or herself with people that was that disloyal to them that they would try to do that to the president. Right. There's a whole nother issue there. But it does allow a potential coup to happen in the executive branch. Right. I almost, you know, I almost feel like this is sort of like the Julius Caesar clause. Yeah. You know, if if the president loses his fucking mind, we want to be able to take him out. And I mean, you're absolutely right. The the president would have to be do a really bad job of choosing his cabinet uh, for this to actually come into play. And uh, no sane person would actually um, believe that this could happen. But at the same time, I feel like this sort of, you know, I mean, I, I think the amendments, you know, wordy, poorly written and just, you know, kind of word garbage. But it, you know, in interpreting it, it does give the ability of, I mean, look, if, if you know, the, if something serious did happen to the president, you know, uh, where they technically are unable to do the job, but they're not technically unable to do it, you know, something like, um, you know, a, a stroke or yep. an aneurysm or a heart happened. attack. happened. Uh, what was there was one president that pretty much didn't serve his it was FDR, I think, right? Wasn't serving at the end of his term or no um, Reagan. Reagan wasn't really there all the way at the end of his term. They could have probably applied it to him. Right. So they could have. Yeah, they didn't, but they could have. And I feel like that's what it was originally established for. Yeah. You know, but I, I do it feel that there's a... can be used against Joe Biden, it, probably. Good. Uh, which, which is a little scary because it gets into what you talked about. You have completely unelected officials swaying Congress to put someone in power who wasn't really elected. Oh, yeah. If by the anybody, I mean, it, wins it the creates... House and the Senate... And Joe Biden's elected, and his vice president and chiefs or uh, chiefs of staff decide that there's cognitive decline. They could potentially get him removed, um, even if even if there was not cognitive decline. Right, right, and that, and that's the problem. It leaves the door open for a soft coup, and this is this gets into what I was talking about earlier that when you make an amendment too wordy, you put too much in, you make it too specific, it can only, you know, you, it, you're opening yourself up for trouble. It's not, it doesn't live, it doesn't grow, it doesn't breathe, you cause problems down the line. I can totally see the 25th Amendment being abused. And yeah. not in the way that people think. Because people are like, oh, use the 25th Amendment on Trump because, you know, we hate him because he's, you know, he's the nickelback of uh, politics. But, uh, like that's that's not how this gets used you know people always think that you know egregious attacks on democracy are going to happen you know out front and in the forefront no they happen in the shadows they happen silently and uh, when democracy falls it falls to the sound of applause not to gunfire 
that's this is how democracy ends with thunderous applause right and this is this is basically one of the tools that was slipped into the constitution in inadvertently maybe or on purpose where you know yeah you could you could put up a president who has his entire cabinet chosen for him by his political party and if he steps out on his political party cuz you know they start going the way of corruption they can go hmm, nope we don't want that and then they can turn it yep um article 26 1971 4 years later makes the voting age 18 instead of 21 and i don't got nothing on that yeah um, i'm i'm good with that if uh if you're allowed to die for the country you should be allowed to decide who's sending you into what war yeah uh, i don't i don't good choice on me nothing on that okay the last actual um amendment amendment 27 in 1992 19 years later was originally part of the bill of rights but was never ratified uh during it uh congress cannot give themselves pay raises during an active term they have to the pay raise does not take effect till the next term brilliant brilliant it was good don't know why it took uh let's see originally proposed September 25th, 1789, ratified 1992. Yeah, not quite sure why, you know, took uh, 200... No, I can't do it. You know, that long, over 200 years. Yeah, it was a long, long time. Um, but uh, yeah, now let's just put the term limits one in there. And then I think yeah. we're, I think we're good there. Yeah, so uh, for those that don't know, um, we're going to go briefly into proposed amendments, but there were actually 12 amendments in the Bill of Rights. Um, Ten got ratified originally, uh, the 11th just got ratified, and the 12th, uh, which I don't know offhand, still is not ratified today. Um, I was trying to find it really quick on the fly, um, but... I can't find it. Um, so, sorry, listeners, I'm failing the four of you by not knowing what the 12th one that did not get ratified is. Um, so, Aaron, the way I want to end this is proposing our own amendments uh, to the Constitution. So, these are not well written. Uh, they're not in legalese. These are just what I think we should do. Um, I think we should have a um, legislator amendments. First of all, term limits. We've talked about this. I think the legislator should have term Absolutely. limits on it. Um, I think we should write an amendment that forces a vote on a Supreme Court nominee. If the president nominates someone, you can't just delay it until the legislative thing is over. You need to vote on it, and yays or nays, someone's on the Supreme Court or not. I can call this the Merrick Garland Amendment. Um, well, to go off of that, let's discuss that real quick. I think I think that should be sort of um, expounded not just for Supreme Court nominees. I think it should be for all presidential nominees. It should be a, you know, we have the right to a speedy trial. I think, you know, appointee processes should be done um speedy and uh within same uh you know should have a a time limit on it 
so yeah. that you can't drag it out. You've got one month from the point of the nominee to hold debates and vote. If you do not debate and vote, it is considered a approval of the nominee. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Um, I added to this a Senate minority leadership powers. And what I mean by this is the Senate minority, because of how broken the Senate is, should also be able to bring bills in front of the Senate to get voted on, not just the Senate majority. Um, I think I potentially could open this to, hey, anything that passes the House, the Senate has to vote on. You can't kill it in legislative delays. I think it's stupid that we can have stuff pass the House and the Senate can kill a vote by not even voting or kill a bill by not even voting, but just being like, okay, we're not voting on this today. Today, oh, we're in recess. That bill is no longer votable. Right. Uh, I think that's horrible. Um, On top of that, uh, ban stock ownership by any member of the federal government while they are serving under the federal government pretty much create a trust fund that their stocks go into during the time they serve so that there can't be insider trading. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That seems good. Yeah. Uh, When it comes to elections, I have uh, two here. Um, Oh, sorry. There's one other for Congress. Um, Put a time limit on Congress from the time they leave Congress to the ability to join a lobbying firm. I don't have an idea exactly what that timeline is, 10 years or something, but you can't just hop from Congress to lobbying. Um, no, I debate you on that. I, I think, think... I, I don't really see that as a major issue that needs to become a constitutional amendment. Um, I feel like, I mean, I understand where you're coming from by going strict, straight from the government to lobbying. And if we put in term limits, you know, it's a very real possibility you're going to create this. See, I don't think this amendment is as needed if there are term limits, though. I would agree with. Okay, I I think it it, to me is something that plays along with the fact we don't have term limits today. I mean, I would rather instead of barring, you know, someone who served in Congress from, you know, being able to join a lobbying firm, I think. We need an amendment. Um, the one that was on my list was to limit the ability and power of special interest groups from being able to lobby oh, the government. Oh, I, I got into that, um, potentially. Uh, this gets into my two election ones. Overturn and ban Citizen United's uh, decision. The corporations are people and have unlimited spending in elections. Um, and on top of that, um, abolish the Electoral College and turn it into a nationwide popular vote for president. Hmm. Or, here's where I would have some flexibility on this. Make it that states cannot go all in on the Electoral College. They have to go to a representative um, vote where if 50% of the state goes, or let's 75% of the state goes for the Democrat, 25% of the state goes for the Republican, 25% of their electors have to go for the Republican in the electoral college. Oh, 100%. I'm for an amendment that completely re, I mean, the problem is every, you know, the electoral college is so steeped in mystery and no one really knows about it no one really pays attention to you know when 
representatives from the electoral college um, get chosen. I mean, there's also the little side part that no one really ever talks about that the electoral college doesn't technically need to vote for whoever the popular vote actually votes for. Sure. Um, which the reason for that was the electoral college was set up because there's no guarantee that everybody within the state was going to be able to be fully informed. So you create the electoral college, they'll be fully informed. They go back. They're supposed to go back to their areas, talk with their constituents and be able to vote. I'm 100% for the fact that, um, electoral college votes shouldn't be all or nothing the way it is now. I think it should be, you know, I'd go either way, either you go off of the popular vote percentage of the state. And if, you know, uh, New York has, you know, 10 electoral votes and, you know, 60% of the state went with the, you know, candidate and 40% went with can or say 30% went with candidate B and 10% went with uh, the independent. I think the electoral vote should have to be split by that. I also think the electoral college should be bound to vote the way that their state voted. I yes. think you want, you want to talk about a, an opening for another soft coup, you know, there's nothing to stop um, a candidate from winning the popular vote. And then the electoral college just being like, yeah, now we're going to. Well, people were calling for it with Trump. Hillary won the popular vote and people were calling for the electoral college to honor the popular vote, not the electoral college vote. Um, I do think if we go to a representative that there should be a 10% threshold if you get under 10% your vote is not you do not count towards the electoral vote in any way Um, I think that would bring in rank rank choice voting um, where you would do a rank choice voting anyone getting less than 10% gets removed and you go to the next uh, candidate they have picked yeah I I think that that would work because the other problem you get into is you know if a state only has so many elect, you know, electorates and, you know, you got like 16 fringe candidates on there, you know, there's no way that they can get an electoral vote to begin with. So, no, yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. Yep. Um, when it comes to people, um, statehood for D.C. and the territories, I think, should happen. Um, one of the more controversial ones I have, and I'm open to... Um, exploring is a bill of human rights um that would declare certain things like clean water electricity and potentially even internet a human right within the con uh america um just because there are people like flint that still don't have clean water and i think that's ridiculous that you live in a first world country and that does not exist um i'm a little more open to that and other suggestions but i think protecting that right would be a good thing I, yeah, I think, well, I'm with, well, with, um, the amendment for DC statehood and territories, you know, I don't know if I wouldn't necessarily go along with that. I feel if those places want to be states, they need to vote themselves into statehood. I think if they um, don't want to be states, though, we should give them freedom from the United States. I think 
I think I well this goes back to my yeah I sound like I think I think I think um I go back to uh what we were talking about earlier and I believe different word there thesaurus um that you know the district and territories should have representation in Congress but they should have limited representation I think it you know territories have their reasons for not wanting to be statehood um i mean one of the biggest ones is they don't have to pay taxes but um you know and there are benefits for the country to have territories you know it's it's not you know we're not you know colonizing you know we're not colonialism um it's not even close to that but um they they should have limited taxation and along with that, they should have limited representation. True. And if they want, uh, they want uh, full fully, they should vote to become a state. Yes, I mean, if we're going to keep them as territories, we should give them some some sort of limited representation. We talked about it last time: one senator, one member in the House, or something like that. Yeah. Um, to give them some sort of representation. Um, the the human rights bill, I'm a little more open to, but I think we need to start declaring what we perceive as human rights at this point because it seems like we at times deny that to our own citizens well um, i think it's i think it's more so we should have um we should have an we should have an amendment that protects utilities yes. and i think it's it's more so less about the making sure that um, every citizen has access to it and more so give the federal government the ability to step in and administer, fix, repair, um, do whatever they need to do to, to protect, you know, that right of the citizen. So on that aspect, I'm 100% with you. I think any verbiage that hints at that the government should be the one to provide it is, uh, I would say, nay, nay to that but um i absolutely agree with you that there should be some protect there should be an amendment where the federal government can protect because uh, basically it's the federal government protecting its citizens from the state that they're in and a state being able to be like yeah we know your water supply is fucked up but uh, it's just too expensive for us to do it and if you have that amendment in there state the federal government can step in and go look at what the fuck are you doing this is yeah. a you know this is a utility. Get your shit figured out, and with that, the federal government can provide resources. You can get the National Guard or the Army Corps of Engineers to go in, and the state you know it's not infringing on the state right because they're just providing, you know, resources, resources, and being able to assist the state. Um, the next one I have is a new Voting Rights Act, uh, increasing polling sites increasing at-home mail voting, automatic voter registration at 18, one week to vote, or a national holiday on election day. Um, I would go, hmm, uh, automatic registration when you turn 18. Uh, I would take it off of the um, having to register, well, when you have to register for the draft, take that and turn that into, um, I wouldn't do an automatic, I would do a mandatory registration at 18. 
I mean, um, to me, those are kind of the same thing because you are mandated to register for the draft. So, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about um, national holiday versus a week. Um, I I have no real strong feelings either way. I like no. the idea of I like the idea of a national holiday that kind of fits our country. I think that would be pretty cool and a little bit more patriotic to just say, look, it's a federal so, holiday. I will give you this though. There are stores out there, like retail stores, that don't close on national holidays sometimes. Um, huh. uh, you know, uh, I, I will say a GameStop, for example, <laughs> purposes. Um, they would take advantage of that national holiday to br- do a big sale, bringing in more employees because they know people have the day off from jobs that are not retail or even healthcare workers, you know, won't be able to get that off. But if you give a week to vote, there is a much better chance that sometime during that week, someone would have the chance to vote. Or even if you made it easier to do a mail-in ballot, um, if for some reason you could not vote on the national holiday, you had to work or something, you could get a mail-in ballot based on the fact you are scheduled to work that day. Right. You know, I, I like the idea of a week. I mean, we we're, we're kind of already getting there with, you know, early voting, Yes. Um, and that I, you know, in terms of mail-in ballots, I tend to waffle back and forth, you know, with them. You know, I did, you know, absentee ballot when Me I was too. in college. I think oh, I it, just did it. You did? In the primary. Oh, look at you. I think it's. I think when it's need-based and merit-based, it should be... I mean, my problem with the current absentee ballot system is it's it's too get difficult and too convoluted to navigate. I think it needs to oh, be... Oh, it's made. extremely difficult. I think it needs to be easier. I think it needs to be not so strict and bullheaded in terms of what constitutes, um, you know, being allowed to get a mail-in ballot... Um, yeah, I don't think we should go 100% mail-in because, I mean, the post office can't be trusted to deliver a fucking magazine yeah, intact no, and on no. time. And you have people right now that are saying we need to go 100% mail-in, and uh, that's not going to end well for anybody. No, we're going to overburden the system. Yeah. And then the final thing I have, um, and I don't have a clear one on this, is just a review of the second amendment. And I think this comes down to, you know, better describing what well-regulated means so that it's more clear, maybe not purely outlined what well-regulated means, but a little bit more clear what the federal government is allowed to do when it comes to, um, gun rights. And I don't have this clearly defined. This one's more of just a high level overview of a potential amendment. My problem with getting into that clarification goes into my the previous thing that I said is if you get too specific in the Constitution, you're going to end up shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. And I feel like trying to get into that. I mean, if you basically I mean, if you basically made it and you, you know, you put the caveat in there that uh, I mean, one way that 
you know, I would see you do that amendment is you say the state cannot deny a citizen from owning um, from owning a firearm that is uh, reasonably allowed to be used by the you know state's police force. Yeah, or whatever. I mean, I you know regulate it that way, and then the backdoor way that a state could eliminate certain weapons is by banning their police force from being able to have them. You don't want, you know, a citizen to have an AR-15. Fine. The police can't have an AR-15. I mean, that would be a backdoor way into regulating specifically, you know, what firearm citizens could and could not have. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's what I got. What do you got? Um, well, one, I got the... I mean, it's, it's not really one that I'm proposing because it already exists and it just needs to be fucking ratified at this point. And that's the ERA, um, the Equal Rights Amendment. Yeah. No reason why uh, that little one is still sitting there. Um, but uh, it's... Uh, interesting to me because I was talking with uh, um, someone about the ERA uh, earlier and uh, it has greater implications if it gets passed which I fully believe it should um, for other things like our military which I'm going to get into in a second because um, I believe that we need an amendment that um, provides uh, health care and basically a pension program for all um, veterans of our military. I think it's kind of absurd that you can be a teacher for 20 years and never have to work another day in your life and be fully covered and taken care of. And if you go, you know, overseas and get your leg blown off, uh, you're going to get minimal treatment when you come back and a high rate of suicide and unemployment and homelessness because basically you can join the military and then if you're not, in, you know, we'll take care of you while you're in it. And then afterwards, it's just sort of like, all right, fuck off. Yeah. You're on no, your own. I, I agree with that. And I think we need an amendment that, you know, protects soldiers and basically says, look, you're, if you're going to risk your life for our country, once you've served, you know, once you've served, we're going to take care of you for the rest of your life. You know, don't worry about it. this is, you know, you, you, you know, you didn't give the ultimate sacrifice. You almost did. We got it. We got the end of it. It'd be really easy. Um, I think we should have, you know, once again, I don't have my notes, so I'm pulling off the top of my head. <laughs> um, I think we need an amendment that um, establishes a basic level of uh, health care provided for all people. Um, my belief of how the health care system should be set up is the government, I don't believe in full socialist health care i think it's a disaster and i have a uh, family that lives in socialized health care countries that 
just what they had to go through for um, certain medical conditions, you know, the, the fact that they didn't die is shocking with how the bureaucracy ends up being handled. But what, you know, going back to how the amendments are and what the Constitution and the amendments and the government is supposed to do is it's supposed to protect the basic rights. Do we need um, a socialized health care that covers everything? Absolutely not. But no. what we should have is we should have the government provide basic health care, everything that is, you know, the – and this is my problem with Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act is it had the right sentiment and originally it was correct – and then when it went into execution, it was a hot piece of mess that just fucked everything up. And, you know, it's one of those that that first part, which is, you know, someone shouldn't have to, you know, shouldn't pay for all of those, um, um, you know, for your yearly checkup and all of those um, basically life saving things. Those are the things that the government should provide. Yes. Anything but anything elective. Or anything above, you know, a, a basic standard procedure, that is where privatized healthcare should come in. We should have this uh, safeguard that basically says, "Look, we're going to keep you alive." Yeah. After that, that's on you. I mean, privatized healthcare, you know, should still exist. Um, you know, medical insurance should still exist. But if you take out the basic you know portion of it which is in honesty where most of those healthcare companies make all their money um and basically just everything is just additional coverage onto what your government plan is and and it should also be like look um the government you know will provide up to x but if you get uh you know if you if you buy you know healthcare coverage Look, you can, you know, instead of just getting, you know, this type of surgery, you can get the, you know, a different type of surgery or one that's, you know, uh, might have a better success rate, but it's riskier. It's more expensive. It's not the standard. You have a heart attack. We're going to save you and you're not going to go broke over it. You want to have your eyes lasically enhanced. You're going to either have to pay for that out of pocket or pay for premium insurance through an insurance company. Right. You... Yeah. You know, you have breast cancer, you know, the government will um, remove the tumor, do radiation, do, um, you know, do chemotherapy. But if you want to go the, you know, the the route of uh, double mastectomy, you know, and the reconstruction with that, that's where healthcare should kick in. Um, you know, you take it to an extra level. And I'm not saying that, you know, especially with breast cancer having you know uh you know my mom two-time breast cancer survivor um you know i'm not saying that someone should be denied the ability to have you know a double mastectomy but you know you can't have the federal government cover everything and you know it's with the federal government providing this basic health care you know everyone should still get insurance of some kind there should still be I believe, you know, the, the state, um, you know, the state options that we currently have now, but that burden that the Affordable Care Act put 
on the system with all of that diminishes and we can actually run and provide really inexpensive healthcare if the government takes over just the standard basic part. Yes. Agreed. Um, let's see. A couple other ones I had. We talked about term limits. Um, no, I think that's that's all that I can recall and uh, comes to my mind. Well, it's been fun talking about amendments. It has been. Our next episode, just the teaser, will be the Progressive Party platform of 1912, a.k.a. the Bull Moose Party platform. Uh, got the 27 pages of it printed out here, but that's because the website I got it from made it really weird and it doesn't show on a full page so <laughs> that's our next topic until next time i'll see you at the tavern can't wait for you guys to stop by stay right. happy and healthy bye everyone bye. podcast this